0: Good morning, and welcome to episode one of the Midman Bar podcast series on fatherhood. Today we've got Dr. Rick Hayes with us, and I'll let him introduce himself right now. Over to Hi, you, Rick? Uh,
1: I'm Dr. Rick, a longtime fan of Jack Bowman. It's very excited to be here uh, this morning. Jack's been pursuing me for a number of years to do a, a podcast, and He's finally got me cornered down in Victoria with the lockdowns. I can't go anywhere. So he's got me uh, ready and willing and able to answer questions. Good point, Rick.
0: So we're going to talk a little bit about fatherhood, and then we're going to answer some questions, aren't we, Rick? We are going to do that. Okay. Tell us a little bit about your thoughts on fatherhood.
1: Okay. Um, As you know, I like to start in a slightly different place, a little bit broader in terms of parenting. We've had this argument before. Um we have. so I'd like to just put uh some words around the idea of parenting and then narrow it down to fatherhood, because uh fatherhood always implies uh the other half of the story. So we want to start with the bigger story about parenting, and then we want to ask some questions about how fatherhood might fit into that uh, idea of parenting. Um, And we're gonna be a little bit broad about the idea of parenting. Uh, We don't necessarily just mean uh, biological mothers and fathers because there's aunties and uncles and there's grandparents uh, and family friends. Uh, In the old language, we used to call it kith and kin so that uh, kids aren't raised just by uh, one or another parent they're raised by a community so if we're talking about parenting as caring for another in a way that teaches a person how to care for themselves and others in community we start with that idea Maybe we can narrow it down to fatherhood in a minute but if we start with the idea of parenting rather than parenthood because parenthood's kind of static whereas parenting is active and we know as hunters that when the prey is still it's hard to get a line on it but when it's moving, we see it. We, we see that movement and we can chase after it. So I wanna talk about parenting as caring for another, but it's not caring for another as if that person didn't have their own ability to do things. It's caring for another until that other can care for themselves, which means there's a, a, a strong teaching function in parenting. We're not just taking care of someone and keeping them dependent the whole point of parenting uh, is to raise people up to empower them to take care of themselves and others, not just themselves, uh, because we're not, we're, not, we're not creatures that are isolated and left alone. We're, we're creatures who, in, who are embedded in communities. So we want to be able to uh, teach our young folks how to uh, do things for themselves with others and for others. So that's where I'd like to start. Uh, And in a minute, we'll go through some questions that you uh, have uh, that we talked about. But I think it's really important to say, if we start with parenting rather than parenthood, we can think that there are many ways we've been a parent in our life, even if we haven't had a child yet, or if we're not responsible for a child. So if you think of, let's say you're on a cricket team, and you've been on that team for a few years, Uh, new folks come into that team, they're selected for the team, they have to learn how, they they may know the basic skills, but they have to learn how to play on that team in that uh, conference or that league. So somebody has to take them by the hand and help them uh, learn the game in that situation. That's parenting, that's taking care of someone who can't quite care for themselves yet, but have the potential for doing that. And you're caring for them in a way that they will one day turn around and work with their teammates, show them things to do, and they'll work with the new people who come in. Uh, we call that traditioning is another uh, a word for, for parenting, to tradition someone, to teach them how to work within that uh, particular situation. So now we need to get to fatherhood, um, having done that. Fatherhood and being a father is, again, we're talking about fathering. I don't have to have sired a son or a daughter to be a good father. Almost all of us have had some male in our lives who have cared for us, uh, whether it's a scoutmaster, a teacher, um, maybe it was the local uh, motorcycle mechanic who we could go to and we had our questions and they would uh, patiently teach us. So fathering is a bit different than mothering. Mothers bear a child for nine months, they deliver that child and that child gets its nutrients from the mother for several months afterwards. That's the human condition. Normally, I mean, there's cases where women can't have children and they can still be mothers of adopted children. But because of that basic idea of carrying a child, bearing the child and then nurturing uh, the child with nutrients, There's a special bond between mothers and children. There's a certain attachment that occurs between uh, children and mothers. And so their parenting style is typically going to be a little bit different. Whereas fathers are a bit different. They're, They're actually, they actually start out as strangers. Um, they have to actually make a connection with the child. Um, they have to work at it in a different way. Um, and they're often there to protect and provide for the child and the mother. Um, they're there to teach um, the children things that, the, that are beyond necessarily the day-to-day uh, routines of, of the house of, of cooking food, taking care of things. Now, that may sound a bit old-fashioned, because um, we can change things around a little bit, but traditionally, and in indigenous cultures around the world, there is fairly clear division between what fathers do and mothers do. Again, we can change that up. A father can be in the home taking care of the kids and the mother could be at the workplace. But there'll always be something of a psychological difference between the person who bore the child for nine months and the person who is the stranger who has to make himself welcome in the life of the child. Um, And so before we go to the questions, I just wanna mention one other thing many of us have had strong negative experiences of people fathering us which is another reason why I like to talk about fathering rather than fathers. Um, Some of us have very strong uh, negative experiences of of our fathers and um, that can affect the way we think about ourselves becoming fathers or being uh, fathers. So if we think of parenting and fathering as caring for another, until they can care for themselves, um, that that can help us um, maybe get a bit of perspective or a bit of distance from the negative experiences from our fathers. So I think it's important to to realize not everyone had a great experience uh, with their father.
0: Correct, correct. So I think too with what you said before, Rick, um, around. Um, parenting, but also about mentoring and having those role models. Um, so the, there's certain people we look to, isn't there? Even when we have a bad experience with our own fathers, um, we we look for other. To, we look for um, someone to fill that gap that we have.
1: I think that's an excellent way to to talk about it, Jack. We look for someone else. Um, I can remember when my father, my father was an army officer and when I was younger in elementary school uh, in the States, he got sent to Korea for 18 months. And while not all my experiences with my father were were all that great, I still missed him because he was an important figure in the family and certainly a support to my mother. My mother and father had a very good, uh, loving relationship. Dad had difficulties dealing with children because he He just didn't know how to deal with these little bubbers. Um, And sometimes he would over-discipline us. And in a way I can say he was trying to care for us by making sure we towed the line, but he wasn't necessarily good at teaching us how to do other things. So when he went overseas, one of my male teachers, and remember this is elementary school, this is way back in the 60s, not a lot of male teachers. Um, In a sense, a lot of us young boys, because our fathers were in the army overseas, were pursuing him as a parent figure, if I can put it that way. I still remember his name. His name was uh, Mr. Salmon. Salmon. Um, and so we look for the father. The mother is often there. The mother is often right behind us in our, uh, in our emotional lives. But we often have to look for the father and whether that's male or female, I mean, young girls also look for their father, uh, which is why it can be a dilemma for young girls if they can't find good father figures. They will keep looking for uh, a father, and that father may not be a good person.
0: Uh, I just want to take you back to, to what you were saying before about your dad. And um, it, for, for us, there's, there's, there's no guidebook or rule book uh, on being a father so we need to we need to look elsewhere to get um, to, to get our skills and and some of us work on those skills by just doing I suppose but we also need to see others and how they interact with people because as we say there's no guidebook or rule book on on fatherhood is there? Uh,
1: I think you're essentially right I think uh, that that is a problem because we come uh, even in an in indigenous uh, culture, uh, the different groups are not all the same uh, across Australia. So we, today we don't live in those really tight, closely knit communities that pass on ideas about what a father uh, does. Uh, when, when, does the child, when does the male child separate from the women and the, uh, the female children and become initiated in, into manhood? So uh, indigenous culture here in Australia, indigenous culture United States, which I'm a little more familiar with because of my family background. Um, there, in the in previous times, there were much clearer guidelines for what you did once once you reached certain ages as a as a person, and who was responsible for that. Was it the immediate father? Was it the uncles? The, was it the grandparents? Um, you still see that in Australia. You see it in the Philippines, uh, for instance, where grandparents tend to care for. Children and what's good about that is, the 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 parents are out working, and the grandparents take care of the kids. The grandparents are a little bit older; they've seen a little bit more of life. They've seen what works, what doesn't work. Uh, so one of our problems is we don't have guide books, but we may have certain guidelines. But within those guidelines, we have to do a lot of experimenting. We have to learn, um, and unfortunately, too many fathers learn either from only their father or on their own. In other words, without an ability to talk with other men about what it is to father, um, we're left on our own to experiment. And all of us know that we're not crack shots when it comes to this, which means we'll make a lot of mistakes and you know, pity the poor first child because you know that's the, the child that gets all the experimentation. On. You know, Jack and my family, um, my eldest is the shortest of the three daughters uh, so uh we we like to say we finally figured out how to feed children by the time we get to the second and third child uh so it's it's experimentation it's 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 learning i think that's a key idea jack besides the idea of we have to seek out our fathers whether we're male children or female children the other side of the coin is We have to see ourselves not, we have to see ourselves as learners, as fathers. We get get certain guidelines, like uh, how we should care for young children, uh, in terms of we have to be careful, we have to care for them, they're not um, made out of steel, Um, we need to be careful to tell the truth around them, we need to be consistent with them, we need to be uh, teachers, we need to see ourselves as teachers not just slave drivers but at the same time we have to see ourselves as as learners so one of the things we should be seeking out when we're growing up is are those men and women but particularly men who are able to teach us how to live in a world uh fully so I can think of scoutmasters. I can think of teachers. When I was growing up, and you grew up rural, I grew up rural. You used to ride horses, you know, for cattle musters. I used to do that when I was uh, uh, younger. When I was really young, when we lived up in the mountains. Every summer, the furriers would come up uh, and they would uh, check out all the horses and the mules' uh, shoes and, and their feet and and their overall condition after the winter because there would be, the workers would take pack packs of horses and mules up into the mountains to produce the timber and mark the timber for for sale and, and to cut down. And you know, these are rough and ready guys. You know, they're big, they're bulky. Um they you know, they spit tobacco but they never chased us away they let us watch they, they showed us how to do things how they, to, to uh, prepare the hoops and uh, horses and mirrors how they shot them with the, with the shoes and the nails and how to clip the nails etc et there was a sense almost that they understood they had to pass certain ideas on to the next generation for there to be a, a next generation um, and those summers where this happened uh, are you know? It's just part of my memory. Uh, I, I'm I've never shooed a horse or a mule, but I do know how to take care of uh, you know. As a rider, I do know how to take care of things because they passed this on. Uh, so, so this idea that uh, just the biological parent is a father, and to moved beyond that. And I guess the take-home message is we also have to move beyond the idea that the father, a father knows everything. A father has to be a learner, and a father cannot be the whole uh, person, uh, person in uh, a young person's life. So your, your first question was, you know, what's our experience of parent, parenting someone? And I just outlined a number of illustrations of how that might happen as a coach or a mentor or um, a teacher or uh, someone who's... Willing to take the time. I will ma- mention one other thing. My grandfather died shortly. Be- My father's father died shortly before I was born. My grandmother remarried uh, a few years after I was born. That person um, fulfilled the role of a grandfather for me, took me out in the woods, showed me how to make h- uh, huts out of bows, uh, boughs, fir boughs, uh, showed me how to walk on the ice so I didn't fall through. I didn't learn that lesson really well. I went really felt through the ice <laughs> My mom wasn't really happy with us
0: it's probably another story about that too rick um on an island called the bedrooms when there's the bedroom. one sole brick
1: yeah that's right there was one brick on the whole island and and jack wasn't the best teacher <laughs> uh, they're not going to get that I, nah. I let's just say this i did not learn how to play footy well
0: <laughs> correct
1: I managed to miss mark the ball and land inches away from the only brick on uh, the bedrooms.
0: And if happen. you had to cut your head open, mate, we wouldn't have uh, been able to say you Because we no,
1: Yeah, that would have been the bull sharks and Craig.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So your second no, question good. is, how might that experience relate to being a father or a father figure? And I think we've pretty much beaten that up a bit. Um, but just perhaps to, to uh, tie it up just a little bit is that um, sometimes we don't think, we don't reflect on how these actions really tell us something about fatherhood. So one of the key things about learning to be a father is to observe other fathers, to ask questions of ourselves while we're watching these activities, uh, and to ask questions of the other person. It's not wrong to, you know, be, I mean, you just don't go up to a complete stranger and do that. But if you're watching someone and you're saying, hey, that guy really um, seems to be alert to what his kids are doing, uh, seems to be able to interact with them and stuff. There's nothing wrong with going up to that person and saying, uh, teach me. You know, well, what, tell me something that's happening here. Why are you doing it this way? So again, this whole idea of learner teacher is really important in terms of, of fathering.
0: Yeah, and that's a really good point too because not only can that person teach you but it's also a way of celebrating um, what he is doing uh, with his kids because we hear a lot of negative stuff that goes on. So why can't we celebrate what, what we do well and um, and celebrate it together, you know, pat each other on the back for if, if we do do something because um, – you know we don't hear a lot of the good stuff that
1: goes on right oh man that's that's really something that's very important i remember when my kids were young when my i had a, a when i was younger working i had some ability to take time off during the day to take care of the kids while my wife worked as a nurse um and so i can remember times when i might be working on my house and be kind of dusty and dirty. And, the, and we need to go to the store, you know, go to Woolies to get something. And taking, particularly when, uh, when they were younger, uh, the, um, I can remember times when I'd be shopping and three kids, you know, and taking them in the Woolies, trying to find the stuff. And women would come up to me and quiz me. It was like, do you have a certificate in fathering? You know, are these... There was a sense in which they were concerned about the children but in a sense it was embarrassing to me because it was like um, are you competent to take care of these kids um, so so do we but do we do the other thing do we go up to a father that's obviously doing your job and say hey that's really great not and not just say hey you're doing a great job as a father because that could be condescending uh, but hey you're doing some things I think I might want to learn about. Can you teach me? That's huge feedback that you might be on the right track.
0: Well, even with what you said before, Rick, about, you know, like people coming up to you, we both know how much the NT intervention um, played negatively on our fellas, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander fellas, especially in the top end around being able to, you know, not even walk into – shopping centers holding their, their kids' hands because they were looked at it as um, child abusers or pedophiles. So, um, so those are the sort of things that come out. But again, we don't get to hear or, or celebrate what, what's being done well.
1: Sadly, uh, sadly, bad news sells, if I can put it that way. And we actually have to make a concerted effort uh, you and I have worked on many health promotion projects over the years, around Australia, in fact. And one of the things we know is that if you've got good news or you've got good, if you've got good things to say, it's it's hard to actually get funded for that. Uh, yeah, you know, people want to see a problem. We, you know, you and I used to talk about this uh, years and years and years ago, um, that. You, know, you don't have to want to be ill to want to get better. We don't need to pathologize men to help them do, do better. Um, so it, men are often behind the eight ball to begin with. Uh, as you say, you know, if you have, if you have um, problems with child abuse, um, most often that is seen as, as a male domain. You and I both know that's not strictly true. It, it's more easily seen in that domain. Um so what ends up happening is that guys um I think we've talked about this before that um, when when there is um, when there's a, a a young people become fathers, they often become Hello? they be, often become quite fearful of what's Hello? going on. Uh, inside the gate, yes. <laughs> There's a reason some people do this in a sound studio, Jack. <laughs> okay, you got it. You're gonna have to get Brendan to edit, edit my beautiful bride out of this. But uh, the the dilemma for a lot of young men is that the negative press has been so strong. Who uh, think about it? Who would actually want to be a young father? Who'd who'd want to who'd want to put themselves in that position? You're, you're already you're already tarred with, and feathered, before you even start. You're tarred and feathered simply because you're a young male. So you bottom of the barrel,
0: yeah. What's that? you bottom of the barrel.
1: Bottom of the barrel. Um, and we have to work very hard to have positive images. Years and years and years ago, uh, we went, used to go through community health centers and we would have the staff go with us and we'd walk through. We call it a sight, S-I-G-H-T inspection of the site, S-I-T-E. And we would just go through and say, how many posters do you have up that are positive related to men, particularly young men? Now, most of the posters would be around domestic violence or bullying. There was, you know, you could see all kinds of posters about young mothers and caring for them and older women, caring for younger people and blah, blah. You know, 25 years ago, you could, you would never see a positive poster in a community health center around uh, being a father. Now that's changed quite a bit, but the old stigmas is are, the old stigmas are still there. Why would you want to be a, a father? So the lesson is that we have to do a better job at creating some positive images for young men uh, in community, particularly uh, young men as fathers. Um, and part of that process can be interviewing older men uh, who the community sees as successful as fathers, and just asking them, um, "What are three or four life lessons that uh, other fathers have taught you, and that you've been able to use in your your fathering?" And and being able to do research to collect these uh, stories, uh, to vet them in the community, not just as you know, we don't want to just take things and then. Uh, use them any which way we do want them to uh, jack i do need to make a comment because i know brendan's gonna edit this
0: it These was my methods.
1: wife it was your dog
0: so we're even anthony,
1: stocks. <laughs> anthony. The sto- oh i'm sorry stocks is going to do this sorry stocks i apologize so collecting stories is going to be very important. Promoting stories is going to be very important. And just slip the advertisement for Mad Bastards in here. That's a, that's a classic of collecting stories and reflecting on stories about how fathers have influenced our lives positively and negatively. And that movie's full of instances of um, seeking the father figure out and that father figure responding and what's good about this movie is it's very realistic in the sense of there is no perfect father and some people uh you know many uncles act as the father figure but we in that movie we got to see stories of what worked what didn't uh work for people um how important is it to you to have a father figure in your life um i would say it's essential I'm gonna say something a little bit weird, I suppose. There are some women who actually become father figures in our lives. Women who are initially strangers, who seek us out or we seek them out because we see competencies that um, we need to learn. So again, I may be a bit controversial here, and I think the ratio should be predominantly males more than females, but we can't exclude certain women in our lives who have been um, like fathers. I, I, uh, an example of that is when I was in graduate school in Denver, Colorado, I worked nights from 3 o'clock to 8.30 uh, pack, uh, loading package cars for the United Parcel Service. Um, it was good pay, but it was tough work. It was tough physically because we had to unload the the larger trucks and then the 18 wheelers and then we had to Uh, the packages had to flow down a conveyor belt with all the different smaller package cars on either side. And, you know, when you begin, you start with one or two cars. But by the time you get going, you might have four cars that you have to uh, load all at the same time, different routes and stuff. Um, The woman who was in charge of our line was very much a father figure to all of us. Uh, We were all part-time workers. She was as teamsters, and she was a permanent... Uh, teamster, uh, and, and, and she taught us, uh, and she, she was very uh, firm and stern in one sense, but she was also very understanding in another sense, and she treated us as individuals, we, we were all different in how we had to be handled to do our job uh, well, so I guess uh, father, father figures are important, um, they're essential to our lives because we can't learn in a vacuum, They don't always have to be males. They can be females. So that's why I wanted to be clear about the difference between a father and a mother. The mother is the one who we've been attached to from our earliest uh, being in the world. The father is the one who we go to or who comes to us as almost a stranger, but who can do things that we need to learn how to do. So, again, that's why I want to be a little clear that women can be in that father role.
0: Absolutely, uh, just touching on that as well. With like speaking to um, a lot of our lads right around Australia, um, and 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 talking about this very subject that we're talking about, our da- our lads do want to take responsibility for being um, involved in that early formation of families, and and they and, and uh, uh, you know, you'll you'll hear people say um, that that. they're they're irresponsible or this and that but there's a number of different reasons why why our fellas aren't sometimes in in the families i'm not going to say that there's not good and bad in everyone but what we were saying was that there's a lot of lot of lads that actually want to be part of that um, early formation of family but they're not getting the chance to do so rick well let's
1: let's let's do a little thought experiment let's say that you're 12 years old, you've, you know, you've swung a cricket bat, you've bowled with your friends, you know, in the alley with a tennis ball and and you've got the rubbish bins on either end for the, w- uh, the wickets. And, you know, you're okay with that. You've got a, an eye that's better than mine when it comes with uh, striking uh, runs with the ball. And suddenly you're plucked out of that and you're dropped in the local cricket club where everyone's wearing whites. Uh, you know, there's a stand with a lot of people, audience watching what's going on. You know, it's a competition. There's gonna be a trophy at the end of the competition. Let's say you get plucked out of that alley and all you've been doing is mucking around with your mates. You know, you, you haven't had a dad out there. There wasn't an older sister who came and showed you that. You just kind of figured some things out because you're watching on television and you try to muck about in your backyard or your alley. You get plucked up and you put in that pitch. How are you going to perform? How well are you going to do? You know, if you haven't been trained, if you haven't been shown, if you haven't been guided, if you haven't been coached, now what's going to happen to that lad who's 12 years old? Uh, they're going to probably, if they don't pee in their pants, and that's very likely. If you're, if you have, you know, 100 eyes or 1,000 eyes staring at you, and if you got the other team growling at you. You know, what's going to happen if you, don't have, if you haven't trained your muscles, your eye, you haven't trained your emotions, you're going to fail. Now, if you fail like that in front of everyone, how are you going to feel? You're going to feel like crap. And if you feel like crap regularly, are you going to get engaged in that game? Are you ever, if someone says to you, hey, why don't you come and play You know, uh, in this, this group over here, you're just going to avoid it, aren't you? So when we say fa- young fathers don't take responsibility for their lives, well, I think we need to think about this thought experiment. Um, what would it be like to suddenly have all the aunties and the mums watching you doing stuff, always telling you how to do it better? You know, guys, just how long are you going to stay at the crease? You know, it's, yeah, it's just not going to do it.
0: Yeah, good point. Good point, Ricardo. Um, I can do. We've got one, do one more question. question. Yeah, we've got one more question. Yep. Can past and present challenging relationships with fathers and father figures be healed and how might this happen
1: i think it's a a yes and no question uh it depends on an awful lot on um on the people around us who can help us um come to some sort of understanding and awareness for instance um it took me many i left home when i was 17 i just didn't want to have to be around all that okay And I spent a good chunk of my life overseas when I'd been raised in the United States. Um, And occasionally, you know, I'm like a salmon. You you go home every few years because it's Christmas or it's somebody's birthday. And and things don't necessarily get any better uh, because you just you kind of drop in, drop out. And there's the old muck that you still have to, you know, that's there. You try to deal with it but I suppose I found in my life when I had my own children, uh, and I, my mom used to say, just wait until you have children. <laughs> You'll know yeah. what I'm going through. You'll know what this is all about. And there was a truth in that, uh, having our own children, uh, and trying to be a good father. Um, you learn about how tough that is. Uh, and as you grow older, you hear more of the family stories, people, tell you more of the things that happened in your past. I started reflecting on the fact that my father's father died when my father was 18. Um, his mother's mother had died when he was, I think, four. So I began to realize there was a lot of grief in the family, a, a lot of pain in the family. Um, I began to realize that actually for generations, my family had moved around a lot. So the, the roots weren't real deep in communities. Um, So, you know, my dad probably didn't have a lot of father figures, images to work with. He probably didn't have a lot of tools to deal with. Uh, Certainly, I realized that I was the eldest, and my next younger brother and I feel like we were raised in two different families. The younger kids don't see the problems, uh, don't see the family problems like my next younger brother and I saw the family problems. So as you get older, if you pay attention to these things, if you're a learner, you begin to realize that... um, you as a child you probably you know you go out to the father figure you. you want a father who will take care of you if that father didn't do a good job of it um then you get these wounds and it takes you a long time to, to maybe see the situation bruno betelheim who was a psychologist psychiatrist who did a lot of work with uh, children said you don't have to be a perfect parent but you do have to be a good enough parent and when you're not a good enough parent you've Any parent inflicts wounds on the child, because we're not perfect. If you're not a good enough parent, you don't put a band-aid on those wounds. You don't clean those wounds. You don't help them get healed in the life of that child. And so if you're not a good enough parent, those wounds fester for years. So at some point, the child has to learn to care for their own wounds. They have to be parented by someone else, someone who cares for a person until they can care for themselves. When you begin to care for yourself and you have other responsibilities that you take seriously and do, I think you create a bit of a space where you can look at that other person's life and say, did they have all the things they needed? Um, now, some people just seem to be flat out, and out evil and malicious, but probably most fathers aren't. Uh, most fathers are probably just like us. They make mistakes. Um, where they may not be like us is they may not have the equipment to you know, stop and think about things. You need other people to help you stop and think about things.
0: Can I just bring you back to what you were talking about before? And um, and I think what you are saying there before was is spot on. Um, you know, as we grow as and as we grow a little bit older, we we start to understand what our fathers, what our dads might have went through. So um, it, it's a little bit of a, an eye opener for us to be able to say, okay, so. Yeah, maybe he did muck up, but maybe we need to look at what he's actually been through in his life. And I know we've talked about this before, Rick. Mm. Um, and I know that I had a like an ongoing battle with my with my dad until the day he died. And I was mm. the only one of seven kids that was actually with him when he passed. So um, you know, we had those discussions, and we um, we forgave each other. Um, on his on his deathbed but for me it' was probably a little bit too too late to be honest because mm. um, i would have rather to, to have that father figure as my own dad um, in my life so it's it's something that's um, you know close to both of our hearts and mm. I, and i guess and that's why we we're, we're talking about this subject first up as moving bar's first um, mm. podcast you know and um, yeah it's just Something that we need to be able to. We we always talk about um, having a yarn and you know being able to yarn and have mm-hmm. someone to listen to those those yarns and and this is what it's about, Rick. You know, and having having um, been with so many lads across the country and you know mm-hmm. l- listening to their stories and you know what and. You know, some of them say to us, you know, like if it hadn't been for you coming and, mm-hmm. and yarning, um, I might have done something silly, you know. Yes. Um, yep. When we were in the, the Kimberleys last year, there was one lad, and, and it still breaks my heart today, you know, um, he, he said, um, if I hadn't come here and had this yarn and this this program with you with you fellas, I had a plan that I was mm-hmm. going to um, take myself out. Mm. So, you know, don't underestimate being able to just have those yarns with people, and and don't think that they're not listening either. You know, so mm. I think that's the biggest thing for us. you know some of us that you know we we do need to learn how to listen and 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 listen to each other's story because it's it's something that we all need to do and. Um, and that's why it's so precious about this, -hmm. this series about fatherhood. I
1: think probably Jack, one of the most rewarding things besides being a parent myself and being a husband, probably one of the most rewarding things in a very long event filled life, because I, as I said, I left home at 17 and I've done dozens of different jobs to survive and been all over the world but probably the most fruitful thing I did outside of my family was what we, you and I did for many years uh, with Mibinbah and to go to the camps and uh, over and over again, we've talked about this before is what was always amazing is, you know, when, after we'd had the working agreement and everyone knew where the boundaries were, so there was safety, the almost, and it it goes back to this thing of you talking about seeking out. you, you you mentioned earlier about seeking out the father, is that people started comparing notes? They listened to each other's names. They asked questions around those names. They asked about country. They asked about a little bit of history. And suddenly, it's, it was just amazing. You know, people would be ca- calling, pulling out all these connections. They say, "Hey, I knew your grandfather," or "Ho, oh, I, I worked, used to work with your uncle," or, and so out of these camps, you know, these relationships would be woven, and people may never have known their grandfather or their uncle at all if it hadn't been for that camp.
0: And we must say too, Rick, like, um, you know, this started way back in 2005. So it's not something that's just come about over the last Mm. last couple of years. And, you know, a, a lot of those friendships and mateship and that sort of stuff that you're talking about, brotherhood, still goes on today you know and mm. and you ask people how how you might have met this brother and you'll go through mibenbah you know mm. so it's something that's um you know you as the first chair and co-founder of mibenbah and myself as the co-founder mm. as well um it's just something that's really precious to our hearts brother mm. yeah when i when i when i die i hope there's somebody from Mibinbar
1: who will be there to not talk about me so much as to talk about how important Mibimba was for us all. Um, There's just no getting on that. But there is a note of sadness because I can think of all the success stories and there are a lot of them, a lot of, but I also know that there were many people along the way who, despite all the effort to try to listen and care for them, didn't quite make the turn. and you you and I both know how many you know um, took their lives or their lives just fell apart completely. yeah,
0: yeah. So, yeah,
1: so I think we have to be realistic in that you know in the sense that Mib and bond, these programs are absolutely essential, but we can't we can't let ourselves beat ourselves up because not every not every relationship is going to be a success you were reconciled with your dad on his deathbed but you missed out on a whole bunch of other stuff uh i for a few years before my dad died could say to him honestly i love you at the end of a telephone conversation he was never able to say that in response you know? yeah i never um, got that either So yeah so i but i think what's what's important about that is both of us tried and i think there's healing in in the fact that we tried um and we're probably much different people as we grow older than we would have been if we hadn't tried. So I guess what I'm saying out of that is Mibimba may not succeed every time, but it's important for us to try. Um, For all the, for all the successes, there will be people who don't make the, the turn, Uh, but you know, you still got to build the road. There will be. Overall it's been a
0: celebration.
1: It's been a celebration and we need to keep, uh, celebrating uh, what Mibamba has been able to do, what Mibamba will be doing, and I'll just say um, in conclusion, from my side of it, is you know, um, uh, you know, Lisa's involvement in Mibamba now and other women who've been involved have been really, really important. And I know that Lisa will be alert to to these things. But one of the dangers I see is that so many programs are. Uh, for men are run by women still because of a lot of structural issues. And my hope is that...
0: um, I think the thing for us, Rick, and, you know, like, um, you know the story, you know, like even with, you know, so much of um, Be the Best You Can Be, Mibumba Be the Best You Can Be, and, you know, we started, um, we've got the rights to the program and um, in a partnership with Brendan Fletcher from Bush Turkey Film. For Mad
1: Bastards, yeah.
0: mad bastards um and, and you know since 2011 we've been running this program and initially it was for, was for men you know and uh, aboriginal men and ab- aboriginal men's groups and every time that we went into community our male elders would say to us can you work with the women as well mm-hmm. so it, it uh, and in two thousand and fourteen, that's what started to happen. You know, like Megan Williams and, and Lisa both started to facilitate and, and become part of um you know the the bigger part of Zimbabwe and and now when we go into communes, it's it's accepted that you know like men and women work together now um for the for for the betterment of um future generations. So, and, and as you know, Rick, there's um we. Um, As a whole, Mibinbah, there's no one that respects men's and women's business more than what we do, Um, but it it is about um, working together for future generations and that's the thing here. Yes, you can still have your um, men's business and your women's business, but we need to come together together to work um, for those future generations. So I'd just like to thank you, Rick, for coming on board for the, the first episode. Uh, Rick Rick has played a really big part in in, um, in Mibin Bar. As I said before, he's the co-founder. Um, he was our first chair. Um, so we really owe Rick uh, so much for all he's done for and Bar, and I'd just like to congratulate him and thank him for being our first guest on our um, fatherhood um, podcast. So thanks, Ricky. Um, We're going to end it here now, um, unless you've got something else you'd like to say. No, I think Um, I've blown
1: enough wind for now.
0: All right. All right. We're going to end it now. So thank you, Ricky. Talk to you later, Jack.